It's time now for Empowered Family Talk with Francina Hallris. Do you want to empower families and young people in your community? Then take the time to make a tax-deductible contribution to the Coach Tate Fund. The Coach Tate Foundation is dedicated to helping young people and their families in learning and passing on the kinds of life skills that we all need to succeed. All too often, we hear about kids and their families having encountered life's difficulties that could have been easily avoided by knowing better decision-making skills. From anger management to money management to something as simple as learning to manage how we spend our time or how we use our job skills. Make a donation to the Coach Tate Fund. It'll help kids who need help and their families too. Make your contribution to the Coach Tate Fund. Get details at www.coachtatefoundation.com. And oh, by the way, thank you. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart Be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Good morning. It's family time. And welcome back, listeners. Our topic today is, well done. Come and enter on our pathway forward. Matthew 25, verses 23, 34, and 40. On Judgment Day, listeners, Jesus will commend and reward the deeds we do for others and appreciate them as though they were done for him. In this session today, we consider three sayings of Jesus to this effect. We find these sayings in the parables of Matthew 25, verses 23, 34, and 40. The first, the commendation. He says, well done, servant. Matthew 25, 23, listeners, his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Listeners, this is an excerpt from the parable of the talents. In the parable, two servants performed faithfully in the responsibilities their master gave them. They achieved something worthwhile for their master. Consequently, he commended them and promised them a promotion to much greater work. The master in the parable is Jesus himself, listeners. And the servant who achieves is you and me, or you and me, or anyone else among Christians who do their best to serve their Lord and master. This parable teaches us, listeners, the same message as Paul when he wrote, quote, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. 
unquote, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Listeners, our labor is not in vain. And it's not vain to think so either. It is no arrogance on our part to think that our services in good works will be useful to our Lord Jesus and be commended by him. He tells us this in the parable and let no one contradict him. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ is reflected not in a dismal or dismissal of our work as worthless, but in his gracious commendation and reward for our work. Well done. Enter into the joy of your master. Matthew 25, 23. Number two, listeners, the welcome. The invitation. Quote, come, you blessed. Unquote. Matthew 25:34. Then the king will say to those on his right, quote, come, you blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world, unquote, Matthew 25, 34. Another parable in Matthew 25 pictures the day of judgment at the second coming of Jesus Christ. As a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, so Jesus separates those who are to inherit eternal life from those who are to be cursed with the devil and his angels. It's a wonderful privilege, listeners, to be one of the sheep in the flock of Christ. Quote, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life. Unquote, John 10, 27 through 28. Listeners, we constantly hear his voice and follow him as we daily heed and follow his word. But we look forward to that wonderful day when we shall hear his voice welcoming us into his eternal kingdom. The almighty invitation, the welcome, this expectation motivates us to continue by his grace to do God's will. Number three, listeners, the reason, quote, you did it to me, unquote, Matthew 25, 40. And the king will answer them, quote, truly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me, unquote. Although we look forward to hearing our Lord's commendation of our labors, listeners, and we look to hear his welcome and invitation into his heavenly kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. We may nevertheless feel puzzled as to what we have done for him that gives him reason to commend us and grant us eternal life. Have you given him a reason, listeners? The answer in the parable is this, quote, For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me, unquote. Matthew 25, 
35 through 36. Listeners, the people in the parable whom the shepherd identified as his, quote, sheep, unquote, were at a loss to understand when they had ever seen him in such difficulty and helped him. But he told them this, quote, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me, unquote, Matthew 25, 40. Listeners, so our service to the Lord does not have to be a service rendered to him personally, but a service rendered to anyone who is in need. Jesus counts such a service as though it were done to him. If we neglect such service today, Jesus counts us as not worthy of commendation or of a welcome or invitation into the heavenly place. Praise the Lord. Listeners, that's the reason behind the rule. Quote, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the household of faith. Unquote, Galatians 6.10. Listeners, when we do some good work for others, Jesus will say, quote, you did it for me. Unquote. This is pure grace on his part, listeners. Without that grace and without him validating our good works by accepting them as a gift, honoring him, not you and I, honoring him, there would not be a reward in heaven. Amen. Ron Graham. This broadcast is supported by donations as well as liking and supporting Empower Family. You can go to www.francina.com, which is P-H-R-A-N-T-C-E-E-N-A.com and press donate. Now, welcome back, listeners, and let's notate lessons we learned from these parables. Well done, good and faithful servant. Jesus Christ gave two parables, listeners, of the minas and the talents that hold crucial lessons. We got to learn the lessons, listeners, about what he expects us to do with what he has given us. Will we learn those lessons? Every day is a good, suitable time to take stock of our lives and ask ourselves, how are we doing with what we've been given? One day, God will ask you, and ask each of us this question. We better have an answer and a good one. In these two parables, listeners, we see the key understanding what our lives in Jesus Christ should be all about. Life-changing resolutions can begin on any day of the year. We've all heard the saying, today is the first day of the rest of your life. This saying, though trite and overused, is actually quite true. Thank God we have an opportunity each day to start over, learn a lesson, and get back on our feet and try again. Praise the Lord. But what does this have to do with the parables of Jesus Christ is the question. A lot, actually, listeners. We can see this in two major parables he gave as instruction to us 
you and me, to examine our own stewardship of the life we've been given here on earth, both our physical life and our spiritual life. In these two parables, we see the key to understanding what our lives in Jesus Christ should be all about. We are here to prepare for life in the age to come. We have to start each day with that understanding, listeners. And that's where these two crucial parables come into play. The parable of the menace. As Jesus approached Jerusalem just days before his death, he sensed the crowds were expecting the imminent appearance of the promised kingdom of God. Jesus knew it wasn't going to appear at that time. So to prepare them and his followers through the ages for that reality, he began a parable about a noble man traveling far away, quote, to receive for himself a kingdom and to return, unquote. In this story, listeners, Jesus Christ is the noble man and the, quote, kingdom, unquote, is the kingdom of God over which he will reign at his return to earth. Listeners, we find this parable in Luke 19. Verse 11 through 27 with the similar parable of the talents recorded in Matthew 25, 14 through 30. In each case, we have a story of servants being given a sum of money and at the return of their master, Jesus Christ, an accounting is required. In Luke's account, 10 servants are each given one minute and in Matthew's three servants are given five, two, and one talent respectively. Both terms here, listeners, talents and minas, refer to substantial sums of money in the culture of that day. The lesson is that God gives us something of considerable value and expects good stewardship and a return on what he has given us. And let me say that again, listeners. The lesson is that God gives us something of considerable value and expect good stewardship and a return on what he has given. And here's a primary lesson, listeners. Jesus Christ speaks in these two parables about money. But he's really talking about something far more important than money. The elements of spiritual character. The money, the talent, or mena is only the vehicle he uses to teach a far greater lesson, listeners. And at the end of the day, Jesus Christ is more interested in what we do with our spiritual, quote, minas, unquote, and, quote, talents, unquote, than anything else. These parables reveal that this physical life serves as a preparation, a training ground for something far greater than this life. Our life now, listeners, is meant to prepare us for a part in the coming kingdom of God. And I'll say that again. Our life now, listeners, is meant to prepare us for our part in the coming kingdom of God. How we live and use these talents and manners, the gifts, the aptitudes, abilities, means, and opportunities we're given in this life is critical. This is the big issue of life. We must learn the balancing, the necessary and the unnecessary 
Some possessions are necessary to our well-being, listeners, while others are not so necessary, but often consume our money and our time. It's balancing out the necessary and the not-so-necessary that's critical. When I read these two parables, I have to put myself in the picture as someone who has been given something by God to preserve, promote, and return. That seems to be the essence of these two parables. We are given a life on this earth with a certain number of years to live it out. Some are born to a greater advantage than others. Some who start with very little, use their resources, and amass great fortune and accomplishment. Now others who start with great wealth and advantage squander it and often quickly burn out in a sad and tragic loss. Then there are the many of us in the great middle class of life, given a little better than average start. But it's not how we start, listeners. It's how we finish that's important. What we do along the way determines the finish. And a lot of life is learning to make the best of what we've been given. As we read these two parables, we learn we can grow a life, develop gifts and talents, and accomplish significance. A key lesson of these parables is that God expects us to gain a measurable increase, listeners, in our lives. Now look at the procedure we see in the stories. In Luke 19, we see that the noble man, quote, called 10 of his servants, delivered them 10 minions, one each, and said to them, do business till I come, unquote, Luke 19, 13. In Luke 19, 15, the story zooms into the future with the return of the nobleman and an accounting of the dispersed funds, quote, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading, unquote. Three people's stories are told. One gained tenfold and another fivefold. They were diligent servants who took what was given worked hard, and saw an increase. Their reward is described as rulership listeners over cities in the age to come. However, one person took his mental and hid it in a piece of cloth. Doing nothing, he expressed fear of the nobleman and said he looked on him as a stern businessman gaining from the work of others. In the end, the one mentor was taken from the unprofitable servant and given to one who had done more through his effort. Now, listeners, in this story, there's the lesson that we all have been given something with our life and that there is expectations of increase. We have to do something. Can't just sit around and listen. We've got to do something. The slothful servant who hid his mina has it taken from him. He was given something, but because he chose not to use it, quote, even what he has will be taken away, unquote, Luke 19, 26. In the judgment, listeners, we will be evaluated on what we've done with what we've been given in our lives the big takeaway here is that we all have been given a gift 
through life itself. Now, if we live and can read these words and come to understand their meaning, it brings hope to all of us. God, who has given us life, not only expects growth, but offers the help to make that growth happen. And listeners, he is not finished with us yet. Now let's take a look at these parables of the talents again. When we look at these parables of the talents, we see a similar story where servants are given goods of a wealthy man who travels to a far country. One is given five talents, another two, and another one. And as he returns, he learns that the ones given five and two had doubled their charge. But the servant given one had dug a hole in the ground and buried it, gaining nothing. Again, listeners, the reward given to those who increase their talent is praise from their master and rulership, quote, over many things, unquote. They are ushered into the joyful future he has prepared for them. Their master's key thought of praise here, quote, you have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter Enter now into the joy of the Lord. Amen. Matthew 25, 23. And what happens to the one who did nothing, listeners? Do we know? Take note. His talent is taken from him and given to another with a statement similar to what we saw before. Quote, from him who does not have, even what he does have will be taken away. Unquote, Matthew 25, 29. Now, listeners, all of us start out with, quote, something. Unquote. We all have skin in the game, as the saying goes. And we must use and develop what we have. Or we'll lose even what we started with. The road to success, listeners, begins with the understanding that we must progress. And that brings us back to the question of how are we doing with what we've been given? Life is a very serious matter. We walk this earth as living beings created in the image of God. This life, listeners, is a preparation and training ground for a far different life in the age to come. Now, once we come to this understanding, God expects us to act accordingly and live each day with that goal and purpose in mind. And what should we learn from these two parables, listeners? The two parables we've been considering here today, the stories Christ told to convey eternal spiritual truths are foundations on which we build a life today of meaning and significance. God has given you at least one, quote, talent, unquote, or, quote, mena, unquote, the gift of life. You also have talents, abilities, skills, and means to use to create and fashion a productive life in service to the one who gave you everything, including life itself, listeners. Jesus Christ is the nobleman who is off in a far country receiving a kingdom. He will return, and there will be a day of accounting or judgment. I know we don't like to hear about a, quote, judgment, unquote. Our modern minds today are not conditioned to think that our actions and our thoughts are known to God. And that one day 
we will stand before him to give an account to you. The good news, listeners, is what is built into both these parables. It is that, quote, talents and, quote, menace are both symbolic of all that God gives to us that can be directed to his purpose in our life. As we allow him to mold us and shape us into something useful to his glory and to his kingdom. Praise the Lord. One of the layers of meaning in these parables is that God gives his servants spiritual talents and gifts and abilities and skills to help traverse this life toward the age to come. This comes through the power of the Holy Spirit, listeners, which God gives to those of us who obey him, Acts 5.32. Now, this spirit is a transforming power to lift our life to something meaningful. It allows us to change our lives and become like God as he intends for us to be. The resolutions we make to change a habit and become a better person shows us a right motive. The key is finding the right method or the right plan for yourself. God gives us the plan in the Bible. We have to start with the right tool to bring about a lasting change. So listeners, how are we doing? Are you aware? Consider the lessons of these parables of the menace and the talents. God has blessed you with a life, listeners, to serve him. And through the pages of scriptures, a priceless understanding of great eternal truths. And he offers so much more if you're willing to put into practice what you learn. Listeners, let's resolve today to use your life as God intended, as a period of preparation, a training ground for the coming kingdom of God. Focus, focus on the spiritual qualities of a life that can be successful in both this life and the glorious future God holds out for you and me. Amen. This broadcast is brought to you in partnership with the Coach Day Foundation. You can support the broadcast so we can bring you God's word with any type of donation. You can go to www.coachtatefoundation.com, which is www.coachtatefoundation.com. Now, welcome back, listeners. And let's notate first. We've got to learn to do the little things in life. Then perhaps God will promote you to greater responsibility. If you're unfaithful with a little you've been given, you'll be unfaithful with a lot. The Lord is not looking for successful stewards. He is looking for faithful ones. Stop saying, quote, if only I had more, then I would serve him with it, unquote. Let's just be faithful with what you already have. The Lord will soon return, and he's going to ask you for an account of it. Well done. Good and faithful servant is what we all want to hear. Every faithful Christian longs for the day when he can hear the Lord say, quote, well done, my sister, my brother, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord, unquote. 
Matthew 25, 21. However, listeners, in the context of Matthew 25, not all of God's servants received this praise. What is it that allowed two of God's servants to hear this wonderful proclamation and want to hear the sad words, quote, cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness? There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, unquote, Matthew 25, 21. To enter into the joy of the Lord, listeners, we must be faithful servants. The idea of faithful implies that we are willing to follow the Lord's commands. Jesus himself said, quote, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into heaven. But he who does the will of my father who is in heaven, unquote, Matthew 7, 21. Listeners, to enter into the joy of the Lord, we must use our talents wisely. Our Lord said, quote, to whom much is given, much will be required, unquote, Luke 12, 48. A servant of the Lord cannot squander the abilities and talents they have been blessed with. Let me say that again, listeners. A servant of the Lord cannot squander the abilities and talents he has been blessed with. In fact, the one talent man was condemned because he did not make his talents grow as he should have. Instead of using his talents, he buried them in the ground due to fear of the master. As good servants of God, we must take what we've been blessed with, listeners, and we must use it for the glory of God. He rewards us for that too, listeners. He rewards him in two ways. First, he tells the servant that because he has been faithful over little, he will make him the servant responsible for a great deal more. Second, he welcomes and invites him and welcomes him, the servant, to share in his own personal joy. In other words, master welcomes the servant into a closer connection to himself, managing more of his own estate and walking in joyful relationship with him. This is Jesus is showing that those of us who use what he gives us to them to increase what his will is will also be rewarded with greater opportunity and joy when he returns. Praise the Lord. Listeners, in this close, let's look at Jesus uses two additional parables to illustrate a state of constant readiness for his return after he is gone. His followers should be working for him while they wait. They must be like the servants who doubled their harsh master's investments while he was away. And Jesus concludes this list with a third descriptive passage showing how he will judge between the righteous and the evil when he returns as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen. Amen.
This broadcast is supported by donations as well as liking and supporting Empower Family. You can go to www.francina.com, which is P-H-R-A-N-T-C-E-E-N-A.com and press donate. Now listeners, let's notate this answer to this question. What did Jesus mean when he said, quote, depart from me? I never knew you, unquote. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? Unquote. And then I declare to them, quote, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness, unquote. Matthew 7, 21, 23. Jesus says that it is possible to call on him and not be with him for eternity. Yet Romans 10, 13 tells us this, listeners, quote, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved, unquote. Is it possible to call on God and, and be rejected by him? According to Jesus, the answer is yes. To understand this apparent contradiction, we need to examine the context of, quote, I never knew you, unquote. The, the ESV version and other modern Bibles divide Matthew 7 into the D subheadings, judging others, asking it will be given, the golden rule, a tree and its fruit. I never knew you and build your house on a rock in the authority of Jesus. Matthew 7, 21, 23 nestles between Jesus' instructions about how to obey God and how to treat other people and signs that one is truly living in the joys of the Lord. The verses about a tree and its fruit in Matthew 7, 15 through 20 are echoed in John 15 where Jesus describes himself as the vine. His father is the, quote, vine dresser, unquote. Those who love Jesus must abide in him fully. Listen, we are part of Jesus Christ and he sustains us as branches rely on the vine in order to live without the benefit of hindsight, which we have. The disciples did not understand what it meant to abide in Jesus Christ via the Holy Spirit. But Jesus was trying to teach them that the power to rebuke demons and heal sickness was not given to the disciples separate from him. It was and is today still Jesus' power working through believers who rely on him totally. Jesus teaches that his power is all in compassion. Listeners, consider how Matthew 7, 21 through 23 rests between, quote, by their fruit you will recognize them, unquote, and, quote, therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them is like a wise man who built his house on the rock, unquote, Matthew 7, 20, 24. As this rock, he is mighty. His word is foundational and his disciples are changed by it. Listeners, they change inwardly, becoming more patient and kinder. They also grow from him like branches from a vine and can only live as part of that vine. Unbreakable rock. Sustaining vine, our Savior, is simultaneously powerful and tender at the same time. 
growing fruit on that rock. Jesus provides a test for discerning believers. Quote, you will recognize false prophets by their fruits. Unquote. Because, quote, a diseased tree bears bad fruit. Unquote. I'm going to say that again, listeners. Jesus provides a test for us. You will recognize false prophets by their fruits. Because a diseased tree bears bad fruit. Believers can recognize one who is in Christ and be assured of their own salvation by the same test. For a healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit. Matthew 7, 15 through 18. Disciples are tender toward those who need Jesus' power in their lives. According to Paul, quote, the fruit of the Spirit is love. It's joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, unquote. Galatians 5, through 23. You will know someone's heart, listeners, by these signs. Jesus makes a distinction between results and fruit. He seeks a heart that is devoted to him, relationship with other believers, and real joy in worship. He is uninterested in the mighty works of those who do not abide in him. One can accomplish great things in Jesus' name and abide in him as well. But great works alone, listeners, do not prove that one is saved. I'll say that again. One can accomplish great things in Jesus' name and abide in him as well. But great works alone do not prove that one is saved. He said, quote, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven, unquote, Luke 10, 20. Jesus frequently chooses, listeners, the worst situations to show his power because that's where power seems unlikely, even sometimes impossible. Miraculous, he can work through anyone in spite of that person's proclaimed beliefs. But joy comes when submitting to the one true God. Disciples rest in him because, thanks to Rich, daily personal time with him, they know he is trustworthy, like David, who praised God even while he was while hiding from his enemies. We can declare, quote, oh my bed, I remember you, unquote, Psalm 63, 6. Listeners, even though, quote, sleep, is a time when one would be especially vulnerable to surprise attacks, unquote. David knows, quote, that God is his shelter. Because of this, he is confident in God's protection, unquote. Listeners, sleeping might not seem like an act of worship, but in this case, David really is demonstrating his full reliance on and trust in God. This is as important, perhaps more important than having the courage to fight an enemy in battle. David's relationship with God is foundational, listeners. He knows his life is in God's hands. Quote, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, unquote, says Psalm 118.22. Listeners, Jesus is the cornerstone. Evoked in Luke 20, adding that, quote, everyone who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces but he on whom it falls will be crushed by it, unquote, Luke 20, 18. 
Those who try to earn salvation worship their own ability and not Jesus' power. He is not foundational to their lives. Teachers who do not rest on the rock are, quote, false prophets, listeners, unquote, who, quote, come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves, unquote. They proclaim Jesus, but inwardly worship themselves, themselves. Not only do they offend God and risk damnation, but they also deceive the unguarded heart listeners. It is possible to be misled, for example, by prosperity preachers or liberal, quote, all roads lead to God, unquote, preachers whose platforms are self-made distortions of gospel truth. What it means for Jesus to know us, you will know disciples by their fruitlessness, or Jesus will say, I never knew you. There are multiple means for to know. One might recognize a person and say, oh, I know him, or understand a concept and say, oh, I know what that means. When one says, oh, I know Jim, he could know Jim as a close friend or as an acquaintance. The Bible refers multiple meanings for, quote, to know. To come to know in Greek is yinosko. And it means to come, to know, to recognize, to perceive. In Luke 13, 25, Jesus used the verb idle or be aware, behold, consider, perceive. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside to knock at the door saying, quote, Lord, open to us, unquote. Then he will answer you, quote, I do not know you. Where you come from, unquote. In this latter verse, people ignore the gospel, turned away from Jesus, and did not realize they needed a savior. The evidence of God's power did not satisfy them. It will be too late to change your minds, listeners, once the door is closed. In Matthew 7, Jesus' use of Yinksko goes deeper. He talks about followers who accept him but do not perceive him correctly. They recognize his power but not the depths of it or the depths of their own depravity. They hope to obtain power and authority for themselves by their connection to Christ. Jesus himself is not their greatest need and desire. Is a person saved? By calling on the name of God? Well, John 15 is helpful here. Calling on the name of the Lord and being saved means living in and for him. This is intimate knowing. Taken out of context, one might build an incomplete picture, listeners, in which all you have to do is cry to Jesus. But truly knowing Jesus, really relying on him, is similar to abiding. And now I'm going to close out with these five tenets on your abiding in Jesus from this day forward, which all believers share. Number one, those who abide in Jesus bear good fruit, listeners. This is when you enter into the joys of the Lord. This is how you recognize those who are abiding in Jesus. Number one, they all abide in Jesus bear good fruit. And good fruit stands in contrast to one's unique pre-salvation fruit, the harvest of conflict and worry and greed. 
Angry people are less inclined to fight with others and enjoy warm, peaceful relationships. Greedy people covet money less and are more generous. And worriers enjoy peace. Number two, listeners, those who abide in Jesus keep his commandments. The two greatest of these are to worship God with one's entire being and love others as you love yourself. Matthew 22, 37 through 40. A life abiding in Christ is not perfect, listeners, but worship becomes deeper, richer, more frequent, central to one's life. Making worship central feels like a privilege, not drudgery. Number three, those who abide in Jesus read his word and it comes alive. It is relevant, meaningful, and essential. Number four, those who abide in Jesus love well. They find themselves loving people who are hard to love, people who might not love them back, or who even reject and abuse them. Number five, those who abide in Jesus are joyful people. Knowing the hope of Jesus Christ, that Salvation awaits them, provides disciples with, quote, pure joy, unquote, when they, quote, face trials of many kinds, unquote, James 1, 2. Calling on the name of Jesus, Lord. Calling Lord, Lord means calling on the names of the Lord, many of which are embodied above, but others of which are central for living a fruitful life in the vine. Listeners, Jesus is the cornerstone that the builders rejected. Jesus is Lord and Father, Master of the house. Luke 13, 25. Jesus gives his whole self, not as an option, but as a command. We get all of him, listeners, or we get nothing. Amen, Candace Lucy. Now, listeners, as we bring this to a close today on Enter into the joy of the Lord. During your reflection time, please ask yourself these questions. Are you prepared and ready to lead by example today for our next generation? How can you lead others if you cannot lead yourself? Are you currently living in the joy of the Lord or the joy of this pagan world? Have you seen the joy of the Lord lately manifesting in a person, a place, or a thing today? Listen, what does your own well done come and enter look like, sound like, smell like, taste like, feel like it? What does your well done come and enter sense like? Are you paying attention? Amen. Our closing poem today is submitted by our colleague, Christine Mitchell, and it reads as such, it will be worth it all. Roses in the garden of heaven, stars in the glistening skies. God's faithful ones now rest, awaiting the heavenly prize. The children of our savior, perhaps to the world unknown, perhaps on earth forgotten, he'll call before his throne. Well done, good and faithful servants. Enter the joy of the Lord. Are the precious words that Jesus Christ will say and they will receive their reward. Though long the road they have traveled, 
and suffered and sacrificed, it will be worth it all one day in heaven's paradise. Amen. family with the dynamic new book by Francina Holrus, Our Sixth Sense and Purpose, The Power in Knowing Who You Are. It's the book that gives you insights into life's problems. Francina Holrus is an author, motivational speaker, and national broadcaster who believes the answers to your problems lies within the knowledge that was once traditionally passed down by families. But that knowledge has been short-circuited by today's faster pace. The book, Our Sixth Sense and Purpose, The Power in Knowing Who You Are, brings that accumulated wisdom to the problems that all families face. You'll find your copy of Our Sixth Sense and Purpose, The Power in Knowing Who You Are at Amazon and at Better Bookstores. Empower your life with the dynamic new book, Our Sixth Sense and Purpose, The Power in Knowing Who You Are by Francina Holrus. Thank you for joining Francina Hallrest on Empowered Family Talk. Tune in next week 